0: Gonna worship with the reading of the word, the spoken word. Welcome everybody. Listen, we have some wonderful friends here tonight, but I wanna welcome our members first and our family. Welcome home, welcome back, King of Kings as well. Uh, just wanna say welcome to, uh, to Anthony Keats and the team from uh, the UK is with us today. So welcome guys, great to see you. And Pastor Eric from Sandy Creek in Texas. Blessings to all you Texans out there. Praise the Lord. And then there's a there's a dear friend of ours who's been part of our team and part of our staff from South Africa. Jackie Peters, where are you in the house tonight, Jackie? Somebody help me find her. She's here somewhere. Did we find her? Is she that way? Oh, I see you now. Sorry. Bright lights, you're in the shadows. I'll give you a hug after the service. Great to see everybody today. What a a great day to be in Jerusalem here in the house of the Lord. Ready for the word of God today? All right, listen, I want to welcome everybody watching online. Uh, Team, why don't you get that handheld mic ready for me just in case I hear this thing clicking out every once in a while. But welcome everybody watching online, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms all around the world. We're so happy you are here with us tonight. And there's a lot of layers to what we're gonna do tonight. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, today is a very complicated day, actually. There's a lot of things going on spiritually that we need to be aware of. First of all, it is day 39 of the counting of the Omer. So we are in obedience to the Word of God. We are counting the 50 days after the Passover Sabbath until the day of Shavuot. And now, today is day 39, which means tomorrow is day 40. It is the Ascension Day tomorrow is the ascension of the Lord. So if you're kind of keeping track with that that New Testament timeline as, as it connects to the Torah, just think about all the things that are going on. You know, the disciples, their last day with the Lord. Of course, they don't know it's their last day, but he knows it's the last day. All of the things he wants to share with them and get off of his heart, he starts to give them the great commission just before he ascends back to the throne. And it's a big day, so we have the Omer going on, we have Ascension Day going on, and today is May 14th. So hopefully that means something to somebody in the house. May 14th, 1948. Does that ring a bell to anybody? <laughs> you know that was that was the day of Israel's independence uh, in the beginning, and you might say, "Well, why did we celebrate Yom Ha'atzmaut a couple of weeks ago? Why did why is Independence Day different than it is on the calendar of the Gregorian calendar?" Well, it's because in 1948, May 14th fell on the month of IR number five. And so what we do today is we keep that Hebraic Jewish calendar date, IR five, and that was a couple of weeks ago. But on the Gregorian calendar, it's still May 14th, and that's today. And so we get a chance to celebrate God's miracles through the independence of Israel. Isn't that amazing tonight? You get to be here for that. But listen to this, the... The prophetic team gave me this verse. They said, Pastor, would you please read this verse? And I felt like it was very appropriate as we get started. Isaiah 66, verse seven. Before she goes into labor, she will give birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment. Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Amen. So can we give a hand clap to the Lord for all of his goodness tonight? And again, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of things going on. We're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer. So those of you that have joined us in the summit, maybe you've joined in your community groups, maybe at home, thank you for being faithful to this 21 days. We're We're moving toward the culmination on May 27 and 28. That's the end of the 21 days and we're joining with 110 million people. Listen, if you don't get our newsletter, you need to make sure you sign up for it because you're gonna be getting a calendar of events from me this week. It's gonna let you know about special events that are happening on the evening of Saturday the 27th right here in this pavilion. And then again, a live broadcast from the Southern Steps in the morning of the 28th and then right back here on the 28th, normal time, to close out that, tw- that last 24-hour period, and both the first hour and the last hour, we are joining together with ministries from all over the world with a live broadcast. So the services will look very different than it, than it does tonight or our traditional service, but we want you to come with the attitude of joining in battle in prayer with us. Okay, so so many things going on. And then many of you are also celebrating Mother's Day today. Any mothers in the house? Can we say thank you to the mothers in the house? Praise the Lord for our mothers. We do have a gift for you guys. Listen, on your way out today, once we close with worship, Pastor Michael will give you the final notes before you leave tonight. And on your way out, up in the lobby, our team has already prepared a little gift for all of the mothers. And, and that's, you know... If, the, the, the mothers who've had natural children, the mothers who've adopted children, fostered children are spiritual mothers, all of the above. We wanna bless you and honor you for pouring your heart out and life out for your children, physically or spiritually. There's a gift. We honor you tonight on your way out. Now listen, because it's Mother's Day and because it's the birth of a nation and all of these things are tying together, we're in the middle of a series called Battlefields. And what jumped out in my spirit this week was the battle we're fighting for our children. Now, a few weeks ago, we, we started the series with the physical battles that are coming up. Remember Revelation 16, Zechariah 12, Revelation 19 and 20, both before and after the millennial reign of Yeshua the Messiah. We started with the physical battles. Catch that on the archives. Then we moved into the heavenly battles. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness of the air. We, we looked at that. And then last week, we... Discuss the battle for truth. Truth is the goal, but the battlefield is the mind. You know, that's what our topic was last week. Tonight, we're gonna be discussing a battle for the children in a sermon I've entitled, Moral Kidnapping. Moral Kidnapping. And so we begin. Healthy civilizations are built on the foundations of healthy families and healthy congregations, because it is these two institutions that God has ordained with specificity of leadership and personal engagement. There's lots of other great ministries and organizations and things to do in the world, and we want to bless those. We want to connect with them. We have many in the King of Kings family. We cover them from a network apostolic perspective. But if you want a healthy civilization, it starts with healthy families and healthy congregations because those are the two institutions that God laid his hands on and he said, I am ordaining these institutions. And when you read the New Testament, that's why you get so many passages about how to deal with family life and marriage and children and parenting and the local congregation with pastors and elders and deacons and servants and serving the poor and preaching the gospel, making disciples. These are the two institutions that a healthy civilization is built on. We've been given goals. Roles are defined and functions of both the family and the leadership of the congregation. In a healthy family, you need a good marriage of course that starts with a husband and a wife, a man and a woman are married. Colossians 3:18. Wives submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord and husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So we get some details about how the interaction is supposed to work. We are also told that a family should always be expanding somehow, whether spiritually or physically. Psalm 127, verse three. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So God gives children as a reward. God gives the commandment to be fruitful and multiply as a commandment. You do not have an option, believers. It's not an option for you, whether or not to expand or multiply. You don't get that choice. That is a commandment from God. Now you might say, well listen, maybe a husband and a wife are physically healthy and they're able to birth children, but that's not the only way you can expand. I love when families adopt. I love when families foster children. And I love when families take in spiritual sons and daughters, like we're also commanded to do. And all of this is part of kingdom expansion. Because everything that God touches expands, grows, multiplies, and replicates. You might say, How will I know if God is involved in something? That's it. That's the measuring stick. Is it expanding? Is it growing? Is it multiplying? Is it replicating? If it is, then that's God's hand on it because that's his creative nature. That's why he gave us the commandment, be fruitful and multiply in every way possible. But you don't sit on your riches and bury them in the ground and hide and hopefully not lose anything, not risk anything. No, you're gonna risk. Can I tell you as a... As, as, a, as a husband, married for 24 years to the most perfect superwoman ever. And she's perfect for me. I get that you would define your wife a little differently. Good for you. But for me, Rebecca is Wonder Woman. Superwoman, supergirl. She, is, she was crafted to just fit all of the nooks and crannies of my life how God created me, the good ones and the bad ones, the pretty ones and the ugly ones. I'm not easy to live with. That was too many amens in the back, I heard that. There was, you know, I was expecting, well, Pastor, we love you. No, it's okay, you don't have to do that. But you could say it, but you don't have to. Text me, email me, whatever. And I can tell you that we have four beautiful children. And in heaven, we actually have more than that. We've lost several. But it is a risk to bring children into this world. It's risky. You're going to give up lots of things. I heard a comedian say one time, if you ever ask somebody about what was the greatest time in their life, they would tell you the period before they had children or the period after the children were gone. I don't know if that's true, but you will risk some things and give up some things. You know, I've been sleepy for about 20 years. You know, if you, if you pass me in the hallway and you feel like I, I shunned you and I, and I just didn't stop and hug you or say hi or something, just, you know, chalk it up to my children. I mean, honestly. I've probably been up four times that night already, and I'm just trying to make it through. We have a little saying in my family that we got from a basketball tournament. We, we just call it survive and advance. You know, it's like survive one more day, advance to the next one, we're gonna make it. But when you, when you pour your life into something, into someone, into children, into, into expanding the kingdom, there's a risk, and that's okay. Because God takes that risk with you. The kingdom of God is about expansion. And God gives us specific responsibilities for our children. Proverbs 22, verse six, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You have a training commandment from God. It's not something you can delegate. It is not something you can let other people do. It is not something you can pawn off to someone else. This is your responsibility, it's a commandment. And at the congregation, we are very honored that we have a few moments with your children to bless them, but please hear me, it is not our primary responsibility to train and raise your children. Nor is it the school's job. And especially, it is not the government's job. It is the family's job, the father and mother The father being the priest of the home. We'll come back to that. Colossians 3, verse 20 and 21. Children, they have a commandment as well. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, here comes another one for you. Do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So God gives parents instructions to not discourage our children. So here we go. We have the ordained institution of the family. We have a commandment to be fruitful and multiply. And then we're given... Relationship engagement instructions that they are a reward from God. We are to guide them, train them, and encourage them always. It's not an easy thing. Test your patience to the nth degree. Your time management skills will have to be called upward to an expert level. You will have to learn several languages. I had to learn a language for my boy and a completely different language for my girls. I've had to learn a language we call whine That's where the children whine at you. They whine and they cry and we say, please just use your words. I'd like to hear you. I, I can't hear you while you're whining. Don't speak whineese at me. It's going to risk a lot, but man, is it rewarding. Because if your father in heaven would risk it, so should you. All of the while, someone is running interference to this ordination. Something in this culture is trying to tell our mothers it is no longer a value to be a mother. It's not worth it. You're not important if you stay home. The culture is trying to change the measuring stick. Whereas God would say, be fruitful, multiply, there's no greater calling than to be a mother. It is the highest calling on earth for our ladies. There there are other great callings as well, but none of them are as high as being a mother and a wife. Because God ordained those. He commanded those. He gave instructions on those. But someone's running interference in our culture Of course, we know Satan is behind this and all of his demonic forces to interfere not only in the marriages, not only in the calling of mothers, but in the training of the children. These demonic forces are actually battling for our children's future, their mind, and their heart. Evil attempts to attack and indoctrinate children are regular now. Satan will use public education systems to indoctrinate them, to indoctrinate them, against God, against the Bible, and against their parents. Because he knows God's ordination is for the parents to train them. So Satan will try to do everything he can to not let parents train their children. Let me show you how some of this strategy works. A long time ago, you would go to school for a certain amount of years, and then you'd get out of school, find an apprenticeship, find a trade, get good at it, get married and have kids, and you were still pretty young when you did it. Not today. Today, we have extended adolescence to an absurd amount of time. People are still in school. Listen, I'm not knocking you that are in school. If you're going to be a doctor and you're going to open me up and work on me, please go to school for a long time. (laughs) And continue your education. But for the most part, those of us in the general population, do we need to be 25 and 30 by the time we get out of school? Or is that not a trick of the enemy pushing marriage to the sidelines? Pushing children to the sidelines. Telling mothers that being a mother is not important. Children are too much of a hassle, too much of a risk. Prolonging adolescence. Not calling our men to account at a young age. Playing video games into your 30s. Come on, guys. God didn't create you to play Minecraft. I've never played it. I just know I've seen some kids play it, and they get lost in it. And what I'm saying to you is this. That's not why you were created. You have a destiny in God. And for many of us, the destiny will be to get married and to have children, but all of our destiny is to be fruitful and multiply, in some way or another. Satan's running interference. He wants to cut off the training of the parents. He wants to separate. He wants to push marriage aside and devalue having children altogether. He wants to strip parents of their right to guide the education for their own children. Just ask the communist countries how that's working. Ask the other countries that are speedily and rapidly heading toward communism how they feel about it. My wife and my kids, you know, we've experienced this here in Israel. This is not just a foreign concept. There was a, there was a situation that happened with our oldest daughter that, in the school itself, in the public education system here in Israel, they were not only allowing my daughter to do something very sinful and harmful to herself, they were encouraging it in the background and hiding it from us until we found out. And mom and dad went down there and under the power of the Holy Spirit let them know what we thought about it. I'm not gonna say every word was from the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna say I felt empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then she was out. We brought her home. We brought the rest of the kids home. Now, I'm not saying your kids can't be in school and the public education. There's different varieties and, and ways that you can do it and towns you might be in that might, that might work. All I'm saying is people are coming after your children. And if you're blind to that, they will be taken before you have noticed. Through media, social media, movies, friends, texting, schools, hiding, clubs, All of it will come and grab your kids before you are able to blink. And you're gonna sit back one day and think, what happened? When did this happen? For those of you that come from an American background, you might appreciate this. There's a strong believer who's an actor and a director, Kirk Cameron. He was on a book tour because they've been doing drag queen transvestite shows in libraries, reading to children, cross-dressing, and that was okay, but then he wanted to come in and read a, a good moral book for the children, and they said no. So they're celebrating evil, which is a sign of the end of the days, and they're pushing aside good. Kurt said, Kirk said, by separating children from the, quote, negative influence of their parents, disrupting society's present Moral structure in systematically displacing Judeo Christian values, progressives are unleashing social chaos to create a void that their new social order will quickly fill. What can we do to save our children from this moral kidnapping and from this cultural hijacking? Well, of course, we're in the middle of it right now. We're praying, we're fasting, and we're taking our call to train our children seriously. That is not delegated to anybody else. Fathers, you're the priests of the home. Mothers, bring the chicks close to you. Make sure you have the primary influence on them above everyone else. But you see what the enemy does is he can push us into consumerism. He can, he can thwart our thinking to things we must have. And then all of a sudden, with inflation and rising prices, mom and dad are both now forced to leave the home to go to work. So now what do you have left? Now I can't stay home and train the children. I have to ship them off to let somebody else train them eight to ten hours a day. And they get home, and then they do homework for a couple of hours. We eat dinner. We have maybe an hour or two before bed. Who wins in this scenario? Satan. Satan wins in that scenario because the majority of the people that are taking that age or 10 hours with your children are not people training your children the way you would want them to be trained. And you're not going to be able to undo 10 hours of influence with two hours of influence each night. Times that by 12 to 15, 18 years of school and look how far behind the parents are. Indoctrination in the education system. It's already happened. It's not coming It's already here. We are eyewitnesses of this, this moral kidnapping. Now in a few weeks, the Lord has given me a new revelation and it's gonna be one of the hardest sermons I've ever preached. And it's going to be on the new social order. And I'm gonna unlay it, unroll it for you one step at a time. And I'm hoping to open your eyes to something you've never seen before. You've smelled it. You know it's there, but maybe I'll give you the words for it, and your spirit will be awakened. There's been attempts to change history in the schools, to change the books about what actually happened. Universities are simply disconnected from reality these days, and unfortunately, some of that has seeped into the seminaries, and it's filtered all the way down to the elementary school. Who in the right mind thinks a second grader needs any education on sexuality? Only the demon-possessed. Only those with an agenda. Only those who are on an attack would think that. Certainly no one in their right mind and the right spirit. With the media narratives being controlled, the control of the flow of information, attempts to not allow any dissenting thought, how exactly do you think our kids are supposed to find truth No one will let them except you. You're the only hope they have to find truth. They're not going to find it in school, university, with their friends, online, media, social media, TV, movies. They're not going to find it there. Because even if truth did exist there, that person's going to be canceled. Their account's going to be blocked. You cannot, one of the biggest lies of our generation is called tolerance. Tolerance is a huge lie. Because it only exists if you agree with them. Then they will tolerate you. But the minute you don't agree with them, you're cut off. You're marginalized. You're canceled. It's not coming, friends. Hopefully I'm, this is not surprising. You're not sitting there going, Pastor Chad, I've never heard of this. Wow. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it it already happened. The fruit of it is right in front of us now. So what are we gonna do? As Kirk Cameron said, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna lock down and start being the priest of your home? Are you gonna demand family quiet time in the word and in prayer? I don't care that your kids wanna play more video games or go out with their friends. That will not sustain them in the days ahead. Well, What will sustain them is you pumping the truth into them and shouting truth louder than anyone else can shout lies at them. It's your job to do it. It's been delegated to you, not to someone else. What has the enemy been doing? But deceptively introducing young children to mature subjects before they are emotionally ready to handle them. A key phrase of the night. I'll repeat it. The enemy has been deceptively introducing young children to mature subjects before they are emotionally ready to handle them. Why? Why does the enemy want to hypersexualize the culture? It is to desensitize the children to make all of the perversions seem normal. Now, you might say, but but that sounds like there's something underneath that. Why would you want to hypersexualize to desensitize the children? What's the motive? Ah, come back in a couple of weeks. I'll tell you about the new social order and what the goal actually is. There's a goal. It's not just to be perverted, there's actually a goal at the end of this road. Now, in the battle for children, Satan goes beyond trying to strip parents of their authority and influence, he goes beyond trying to indoctrinate children through education and media. He keeps going. We've already given him those territories, unfortunately. He's going to go further. Satan attempts to kill babies and to devalue life in general, blocking people from obeying God's word to be fruitful and multiply. Do you understand that killing babies is a direct front to the commandment of God? It's not only the tragedy of killing the baby and committing murder. It's not only those horrible things. It's also an attack directly at God's commandment. Is that you told them to be fruitful, I'm stopping them. According to the World Health Organization, not that we love them, approximately 73 million abortions are happening every year now in the world. 73 million of God's children. Now, Genesis 1:28 is very clear. Be fruitful and multiply. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the sky, the creatures that move along the ground. We know that we were created to rule and reign over God's creation. That's our purpose. We speak about that a lot here at King of Kings. And just as if When God touches something, the measuring stick is, does it grow? Does it expand? Does it multiply? Does it replicate? If it does, God's hand is in it. Conversely, how will you know if the enemy's into something? Because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Everything the enemy touches shrivels, withers, and dies. That's how you can measure it. The Bible gives us clear instructions on how to love and protect our children. The Bible warns us to avoid harming children. Not speaking of intentional discipline in that breath. We are called to discipline the ones we love, just like God does. So I'm not talking about disciplining children. I'm talking about harming children, and there is a difference. But notice Satan played his game, and he loves to hijack words, right? He hijacked the word tolerance. That means something different now. It means you have to agree with us. That's what it means. He hijacked the word love. That doesn't mean sacrifice your life for the good of someone else anymore. It means tell me everything I'm doing is okay. That's what love means now. Agree with me. Church doesn't mean church anymore because you don't actually have to preach the gospel anymore to have that sign on outside. He's tried to change the definition of marriage. We call this, this is the language hijacking, right? And he's tried to hijack that terminology of discipline as well. Tries to link discipline with hurting and harming. Those are not the same thing. You can discipline someone without hurting and harming them. But Leviticus 18 really starts to tap into something deep and troubling. Verse 21, it says, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord. My team has a picture of a rendering of Molech they could put up there, I think. According to Christianity.com, Molech is usually depicted as a bullheaded anthropomorphic deity, which was heated. Listen to how this works. He was heated until it was glowing with flames. Then at the pinnacle of the worship of the pagans, a baby infant would be placed in the hands of this idol while his devotees listened to the infant cry out as it burned to death before their very eyes. Such worship demonstrates a depth of depravity, such a disregard for the sanctity of life, innocent life, that only the most moral degenerate could justify doing this. However, some Israelites apparently did so as well, which grieved the Lord tremendously. They would set this idol on fire. It was made out of metal. And when it was so hot that the metal would glow with flames, then they would take the baby and put it right on top of the metal and it would burn to death in front of everybody while the baby screamed. The Bible says, have no such thing happen in Israel. And I'm not trying to say that having an abortion of a baby is the exact same as offering one on the idol of Molech. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is both grieve the Lord equally. There is no difference in God's mind about how that child is being harmed, about how that life is being cut off short. And yes, we understand there's, there's edges and there's the half percent here of emergencies. Don't play the games. All that's playing a game. You know right from wrong because you were part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everyone who's ever had an abortion, while God loves them deeply and welcomes them into his family for forgiveness and redemption, but every person who's ever had an abortion knows inside of them it was wrong and they feel guilty, I promise you. They can hide it, they can pretend, they can shout and parade in the streets to cover over all of that pain, but that's all it is. It's a cover for all of the pain it's the same reason the homosexual community and all of their pain is trying to be hidden and covered with all the parties and the parades and the flags and the, and the costumes. Because they are hurting inside because they don't know their, their father. And they're trying to cover the pain with this false face and celebration. So now we're dealing with indoctrination of our children through the education system, the attempt to separate the influence of the parents on the children, the hypersexualization of our children so that they might become calloused to anything sensitive, desensitized, and then we add to our sins the annihilation of children plainly. How do we not see what's happening in this battle for our children? You have to almost be intentionally blind to not see this today. But unfortunately, There's a large body of Messiah, or at least those that claim to be in the Messiah, who pretend they don't see it. I get it, not everybody's gonna homeschool their children. I I get it. Maybe you're forced to work double income. We've had to do it twice in our marriage already. We understand, those are tough times. But at some point, you have to weigh up the priorities in your life. And for me, I'd rather live in a one-bedroom studio apartment so that our children can be taken care of and trained correctly, than to pursue the almighty dollar, have my own palace with my pool in the backyard. Because one of those is coming with me to heaven and one is not. My children are coming with me. Not the house, not the car, not the pool, not the IRA, the 401K, a lot of other acronyms you could throw on. Invest in what matters. And what matters is your children whether that's physical children or spiritual children, invest in them. Remember, the kingdom is not all about you. It's not all about me. It's not about bringing a, a checklist to the service and being like, well, I'm just gonna grade real quick, you know, Melissa songs, you know, pretty good choice of songs tonight, Melissa. I'm gonna give you a, a good grade on that one. Pastor Mike, really, you know, pretty decent there with the uh, offering. Wilbur, you know, good job with the reading. Eye, and I'm gonna, Pastor Chad, whoo, not a good sermon. Going to take off the marks for that. <laughs> the music's too loud. The music's too soft. I didn't like my chair. What are we doing? Why are we actually here? Are you here that we do a show for you? Or did you come to be touched by the Holy Spirit's presence? Well, his presence is here, and he's ready to do some touching. But we have to let him. I know, listen, this is a strong message. This is a strong series. But I can't stand in good conscience before God and have all of us be in the middle of a war and not give you a heads up that you're in the middle of a war. When you said yes to Yeshua, he gave you a sword and armor for a reason and he dropped you in the middle of a battle. If you didn't hear that gospel, you heard the wrong one. Now, there are some things that we can delegate on earth and some things we cannot. The training of our children in guiding them as a family cannot be delegated. Hear me again. It cannot be delegated. It is not someone else's responsibility. There are some things that can be delegated and some that can't. Non-negotiable personal time with God every day. Can't delegate that to someone else. You can't go through your whole week not being in prayer, not being in the word, not meditating quietly, not being the Lord in your private time and then expect to come on Sunday and have Pastor Chad fill you up for the entire week. That is not my job. It's not how this works. I'm supposed to give you vision, give you encouragement, and give you theological boundaries so that you can flourish within those. But your job is to be fed every day at home, with a non-negotiable, private devotion time with God. You can't delegate that. You can't delegate regular and faithful connectedness to the body of Messiah. You can't let someone else do that for you. You have to actually show up. Why? Because God ordained it and commanded it that we do this together. You can't delegate the stewardship and faithfulness of your finances. You can't delegate work ethic, moral choices, or taking ownership of your own actions. All of that is you. You have to do it. It's not like other things that you can delegate, like repairing your car. Yeah, I get it. We don't have a lot of mechanics here. So we take our car in to a specialist. That's something you can delegate. A house repair, a handyman, maybe help getting help. Doing your taxes, sure. That's complicated. The rules change every year. Get some help. Some things you can delegate. Some things you cannot. But parents are called to shape the morality of their children. Listen to this idea that in Genesis 26, God is speaking to Isaac, and when He's talking to Isaac, He's actually describing Isaac's father Abraham. This is what He says in Genesis 26:4. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all of these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because Abraham, your father, obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. So God said, I'm giving you land and a covenant promise because your father obeyed me. Everything I asked, he did. And then you jump into chapter 18 of Genesis, and you say, what are some of the things that God commanded Abraham? Well, listen to this. Genesis 18, 17. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised to him. That was two really big sows in one verse. Did you catch that? How important that was? I chose Abraham so that he would train his children. No greater calling than training your children. That's what he asked of Abraham. He say, oh, but, but what about creating this new race and this new religion and, and moving us closer to the Torah and the tabernacle and the temple and the land? And the, When God came to Abraham, he said, I am choosing you so that you will train your children. That's how high the calling of God is in this battle for our children. It's one of the very reasons God moved forward in covenant with Abraham because of his faithfulness to do that. Let me give you our final verse for tonight. 1 Timothy chapter three, four, and five. Because the father is the priest of the home and the parents are responsible before God, God links the two ordinations for the healthy civilization. Remember, healthy family, healthy congregation. He's ordained both of these in the word with descriptive details. He puts them together and says... The requirements, morally, are the same. First Timothy 3, 4, and 5. A leader in the house of God must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. And if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's congregation? The two ordinations are linked. That's why they're the foundation of any healthy civilization. So let's summarize. When parents guide and shape and expand their family with children, physically or spiritually, there are certainly risks. One risk is that each family may choose to shape the morality of their children in an ungodly way, that's a risk. They might choose that, but it is their right to do it. A school system, a government, should never tell you how to raise your children. It is another thing that when the culture engages in an intentional effort to attack the influence of the parents on the children, we have a war on our hands now. Separate the parents' influence from the children so that we can influence the children by all means possible. And it is still yet another thing when governments try to step in and try to take control of the influence of your children, mandating their education system, mandating courses they have to take that are in violation of God's word, spewing lies instead of truth. And if you dare speak about it, they're coming after you. Well, that's the age we live in now, so you better get ready for this battle. Put on your helmet, put on your breastplate, put on your belt, put on your shoes, get your shield and your sword Your, your sword sharpened. The days of easy flowing believers' lives is over. I need you to hear me. The days of easy flowing believing lives is over. We're at the end of the age now. All the signs are there. Israel is a nation again. That was one of the signs. Jerusalem belongs to us. That was another sign. Evil's being celebrated in the streets, that's another sign. Parents separated from their children. That's another sign. All of these signs were given in the word of God. And they're all happening now. The nations are rising against Israel. Happened this week. How many thousands of rockets were fired at us from all sides? Guys, if you're not awake, I'm trying to wake you up. There's a battle for your children. And you might say this why would Satan care so much about my children? Does he know something I don't know? Does he know something about the timing of all this that I don't know? Is it that Satan has now moved on past our generation and said, I'm done with them. I'm going after the children because that's the generation where it's all gonna go down. If I can brainwash those children, I can desensitize them, I can indoctrinate them. That's the generation that I can overtake. Think about it. I'm not up here prophesying, I'm just following the road signs. And they're all pointing to the end of the age, rapidly approaching. What I'd like to do, and I wanna do it together to engage all of us is, as we understand this language hijacking, this moral kidnapping, this narrative and information control, I'd like us to intercede together for our children. Would you stand with me for a moment? I'm gonna ask you to engage. You know, when we come to congregation, we don't don't come to put on a show. We engage in worship. We engage in the reading of the word. We engage in giving and in the, the Lord's Supper. We engage in prayer. We do it together. That's why we're here. And I'm gonna ask for just a few moments that you intercede with me for our children and in this prayer we want to also intercede for the parents because I can tell you as parent of four this is not an easy age to be a parent just begin to lift up your voices if you have a prayer language right now however you want to pray and in whatever language you want to pray we have people from all nations here tonight hallelujah God we need your help Holy Spirit come in a great measure tonight Touch your people with anointing God. Do business with us. Hear our cry, the great God in heaven, who sits on the throne, that turns his ear to his children. God, first of all, forgive us for the sins of Molech. Forgive us for the sins of idolatry. Forgive us for the sins of delegating the priesthood of our children's training to someone else. Forgive us for relinquishing the education to someone else, God. Forgive us that we've done that. We have violated your commandments. We have fallen short of your perfect mark. Forgive us, God. It's not too late rescue this situation. Redeem our parenthood, God. Redeem our parenting, God. Give us new strategies, insight, revelation, breakthroughs, and outpouring from heaven, God. We pray for a revival over all of our children in the name of Yeshua. We pray for courage for the fathers. Have those family devotions. Have those quiet moments with your family. We pray for the mothers on Mother's Day. That new courage the mama bears would come out. We would start to fight for our children. We would continue to scream the truth louder than anyone else can scream the lies at our children today in the name of Yeshua. That we will not stop, we will not give up, we will not relinquish these assignments given from Almighty God. Redeem us, God. We need this. This next generation could be the one that goes through all of the wars that we talked about. There's a great delusion coming. There's a great tribulation coming. No wonder the enemy wants to take away all of their strength, their knowledge, and strip them of the truth. Help us, God. Help us, God. You said you would not leave us alone as orphans, that you would guide us. You would illuminate the Word of God in front of us. You promised to give us power. We're reminding you of that. As Shavuot approaches, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we are calling for that power now. Break things off of our children. Break the chains of pornography. Break the chains of the video games. Break the chains of social media off the children. Encourage the parents to have a backbone and to say no to their children, and let them know that that let them know that the word no can mean love to their children. In the name of Yeshua, we reject the hijacking of language reject the moral kidnapping and the information control we will be people of the truth that is the great commission that happens tomorrow on ascension day Matthew 28, 18 through 20 go into all the world preach the gospel, make disciples and always teach the truth we need your help God we need your help And we need one another in the name of Yeshua. We're called to do this together. Prayer team, would you come on down? Prayer team, if you're available, deacons, leaders, prophetic council, just come on down. Let's make ourselves available for prayer time. If you want prayer for any reason, maybe it's a family reason, a marital reason, your children coming to faith, you need healing tonight. Any reason, our prayer team will be down here as we continue to worship. Come and receive prayer.